Welcome back to Aspire to Lead, and I'm so excited for our conversation today as I have a wonderful opportunity to speak with Ryan Stoyer, who is going to talk about everything project-based learning. And I know that's a topic that is very popular, but I know there's a lot of misconceptions with as simple as the definition. And that's why I have Ryan here is to really break it down, simplify it to its core so that we know how to implement it best onto a campus. But before we begin our conversation, I just want to let you know that this upcoming week, I'm going to be in Arkansas in Hot Springs with Jeff Gargas, the COO of Teach Better, as we are going to be speaking for a couple days out in Hot Springs. First off, we're going to be doing a pre-conference session on podcasting with students, and then we're going to be spending the afternoon talking about podcasting just in general for those who are looking to create this wonderful outlet of professional development. So super excited about that. And then I'm going to be speaking on trauma-informed practices and about my book, Aspire to Lead, the following day. So can't wait to be in Arkansas again. This is the second time that I've had an opportunity to be out there, but the Teach Better team has been there four years in a row and super excited about this conference because this is actually the 30th anniversary for Hot Springs Technology Institute. So if you're going to be joining us out in Hot Springs, make sure that you say hello to Jeff and I. We love connecting with educators and we would definitely want to know how we can support you as much as possible. Now let's jump into this conversation with Ryan as we're going to be discussing project-based learning, the benefits, what not to do, and how it transforms a campus. Welcome back everyone to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Aspire leaders, I am so excited to have a phenomenal educational leader and someone who is working in the world of project-based learning. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Oh, Josh, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yes, we got a chance to meet prior to this episode, and I learned about the fantastic things that you're doing in the world of education, and I couldn't wait to get you on the podcast to share about that story. Before we get into the topic of project-based learning, I would love to learn about your educational leadership journey. Yeah, if we if we go way back in the time machine, like I was the kid that did all the things you were supposed to do in high school. Like I had a 4.2 GPA, I was a three-sport athlete, I led the clubs and all the things. Uh, and then I went to college and realized I didn't actually know what I wanted to do. Like, it's like, wait a minute, but I did all the things I'm supposed to do. They said, you're supposed to be an engineer because you're good at math and science. Um, turns out I was good at writing too, but it's this kind of void, I think, that I'd love to get into if it makes sense. Is like, I did all the things I was supposed to do and still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, right? Like, I think somewhere we miss it sometimes because it looks like those kids on the top of the scale that know how to get points, like they know what they're doing. I had no idea. So I was an engineer for a while. I enjoyed the work, uh, but it wasn't passionate for me. So I was an engineer at UPS up in Chicago and then jumped ship and taught eighth grade middle school English. So I was like, left a lot of math credits on the table at Purdue. So, uh, but I wanted to build relationships with kids and I wanted to, you know, that was my way of, you know, going to change the world and did that for a while. I did it traditionally for half my career. And then like I had a student that, I really poured into and he dropped out of high school the first semester of his freshman year. And I was like, is that even legal? I didn't even know you could do that. And so I went and talked to him and he's like, well, they're not you, Mr. Stoyer. Said, well, of course they're not. Like I can't loop with you all through high school. And, but for me, it was a big eye opener that traditional school wasn't working uh, in the way that I saw it. 
you know, I was, I was a data-driven engineer and I was looking at the data and it didn't make sense where I was at. Uh, so I needed something to change and project-based learning came along and the very first PBL unit we ran, all the kids turned every stuff, turned everything in. Same school, same demographics, completely different results. So I was completely hooked. Uh, we started a school within a school and started training others. And that's kind of the start of my journey into project-based learning. All right. I want to dive into this a little bit more because you know, for project-based learning, I've heard multiple teachers, administrators, they all have their own take on that term. And sure. for some folks, it's it's very different. I, I would love to know like what you were doing in your classroom and how you would define project-based learning. Yeah, for me, my geekiness or maybe even some snobbiness, if you will, is like around the authenticity. Like I think it has to be authentic, real-world work. And if we're doing scenarios, then we're not really hitting what what I would call project-based learning, or maybe we're at the very fringes. If you so for me, it's uh, the kid that's got his head down, and and really even the point getters, I would say too, because I was in that boat and got missed. Right? Is we're asking them to learn the Punnett square, and outside of the biology teacher, like nobody's inherently really cares about the Punnett square. They don't get excited about it. But if you go and ask kids like, Hey, today parents will find out that their kid has a genetic disease. Like it happens all over the country. And there's two things they want to know. Number one, is my kid going to be okay? And number two, they want to know everything there is to know about that genetic disease. Hey, eighth graders, will you create resources so that parents can learn about genetic diseases and help their kids? And every eighth grader puts their head up, right? Like the, the kids that are not traditionally good at school, they say, oh, there's a why behind my learning. I'll do that. Those kids like like me when I was in, in school and I was getting all the points, they have to figure out like, how do I get points here? And well, and then you have to have the, the conversation. Like it's more about it's there's more to life than points. Oh, really? Right. And we should have that conversation. So for me, project based learning, it has to. Yes, it's through the standards. Yes, it's in our public, private charter schools, wherever. Uh, but it has to hit the real world authentic work that the learners are doing it so they know why they're doing the work. All right. I hate to say this, but I've I've seen firsthand teachers try to implement this in the classroom and fail miserably and then just completely push away from it and say, I, I can't do this in my classroom. And I know there's a lot of failure stories out there. So for the listeners, for our leaders, you know, that want to implement this into a classroom or maybe a team, maybe campus wide. What are some things that they should not do? Because I know there's probably a lot of things that we should strike right away of don't do this if you're trying to do project-based learning. Yeah, it, I thought it's kind of a fun way to go. So I like, like how we're phrasing that. And especially if you're your audience, the, the leaders, as you're listening, do not do a one-day PD on project-based learning and then expect all of your staff to do a PBL unit first semester. Right. Like that's, that's probably number one, like in magnified learning. We actually just, we say no to people every year. Like, will you come do this one day PD? No, because it will lead to bad project-based learning, bad outcomes for teachers, bad outcomes for kids. Uh, so that's probably, honestly, that's my biggest, I kind of mentioned snobbery before, so I don't want to be too snobby on the podcast, but it's because it leads to bad results. Uh, if you get your first PBL off of teachers pay teachers, it's probably not going to go well because there's a culture that needs to be behind it. There's a mindset of real world learning. You know, how do you get your standards to apply to a real world situation? How do you get community partners? Uh, so those things were to, to not do PBL is really just to skim it on the surface and then make the expectation that everyone's going to do it because they will, and you'll call it PBL, but it's not going to go well. And now you've defined PBL poorly and, and that just hurts my heart, Josh. So <laughs> I could see it in your face, like just a part of you died a little bit. 
right. right. So let's go on the other side, right? We're gonna we're gonna swing to implementation, right? So let's say leaders yeah. are totally bought in as far as the vision and, and the theory behind project-based learning and they want to implement it on their campus, but they don't know where to start. You know, is it, you know, do yeah. we just go to one teacher and have them kind of pilot it or is this something that we can go full scale? So what would you recommend for implementation on a campus? I get this a lot as we're talking to leaders. So again, your audience, they're like, yes, I get it. I want to go PBL, but I've got a staff that's just the full range of the implementation curve, right? And And everybody does, but it's like, Who's going to take what? Who's going to ignore it? Who's going to throw a fit? So you, you do need to be wise about implementation, I think. And you're wise to collaborate with someone else around that, to go see some other ecosystems that are doing PBL well and ask good questions there. Like, how did they implement? There's a lot of ways that you can implement. You can do a full school. You can do a school within a school, which is where I cut my teeth. Um, some districts will use a separate school. What we recommend now is actually a learning team. So we'll call it a PBL learning team. And it's a group of core teachers that say, you know what, I would like to investigate PBL and then see if it works at our school. And the the wording is really important for me and for the districts we've worked with is if you call it a pilot, right, like pilots can fail, right? And uh, so we just have, call it a learning team. It's also not, hey, we're all going to project-based learning next year. That's, that's not what we're saying either. We're, we're going to go see if it works. And what we do is we'll train a group of 10, 15 teachers. And they'll go investigate, they'll go tour other schools, and they'll try PBL. And what happens is these really awesome outcomes come out of the out of the woodworks is the teachers that are doing PBL, they have community partners that are in there. Their learners are, you know, creating shops that are out in the community actually being used by the community. They're, they've got local uh, political officials coming in, and they're getting really neat opportunities. And the other teachers go, well, wait a minute. How come my kids don't get to do that? Well, you haven't been trained yet. And it's, well, well, I want to be trained. Like you need to send me to training over the summer, right? Which is something your, your listeners have never heard before, right? It's like teachers don't just say, send me to training. It's, but it's, if you go with that learning team aspect, and I, I wrote about it in, in my book, there's two, two chapters specifically for leaders on implementation. And what we see is it allows you to take a seat where you're with your teachers and with your staff and you're going on this journey, even if it's your idea, right? And it should be a part of your vision. I think you need to plan it out three years, but now it's a learning team to say, hey, let's see if this works. And if it does, do you think we should do more of it, right? And you start to build a grassroots movement with your teachers and it's not just you top down. All right, so I want to know the benefits of project-based learning. Obviously, if you've got a bunch of teachers who are passionate, like you said, hey, send me the training. I want to do this also. And you get this movement going on a campus. What are some things that you've seen firsthand with your students and how has that changed a campus? Great question. One piece that I think you know our leaders need to be thinking about is what is the community perception of the school? And you know, we, we want to, and we can jump to test scores. We could talk about that, but really like, how does your community view your school? And I always say, somebody's going to be telling your story you should probably be in there editing or writing some of it, right? And a, a lot of times the people that are telling the story on Facebook or at the soccer game are people that are grumpy, right? Something happened and now that's the story they're telling. What project-based learning does is it invites the community in and not just on career day and not just to make copies, but into meaningfully interact with your kids. Because there are amazing things happening in your schools right now. Like whether you're doing people or not, like you're doing amazing things, but the community doesn't know about it. So they just assume it's business as usual, like they were in schools. And then you start to invite in, you know, the president of the Rotary Club, the police commissioner, the fire chief, these pillars of the community. And they see 
your kid's doing amazing things. And now those are the stories that they're telling. Right? Everybody wants a really great school story in their back pocket, right? To lead a faculty meeting, wherever they're at out in the community. And project-based learning gives you the opportunity to have those stories, to have the newsworthy stories. Uh, I would say, if, especially if you're in a small town, the reporter should be on speed dial. Like, hey, you need to come see these, these PPL expos, right? These PPL presentations. And those are the things they want to write about. And if we're not telling the story, somebody else is going to. So that's one of the big key benefits, I think. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right. So let's talk about uh, all the wonderful trainings and things that you offer schools. I know that this is something that you specifically work on, which is the project-based learning. So what are you doing to support our leaders and our campuses throughout this country? Sure. So one of the newest things that I think we've done that, I, that has been a great addition is kind of where we started. It's design days. We take two days with leaders and a leadership team. So not just principals, but principals, APs, and a group of teachers and we go through two days and we specifically design the next three years. Like, what do you want your school to be like? And because we're facilitating it, the principal gets to be a part of the group and is not leading it. And it creates a really great grassroots dynamic. And when you're done, you have this three-year strategic plan that was not created by the principal, right? It's created by the leadership team made up of teachers and administrators. And the teachers can speak to it and they're as excited about it as anybody. From there, we do we do a three-day kind of boot camps, if you will, we call it a jump start, And then we do a three-day advance the next summer and then certification the summer after that. So by the end, schools and school districts have their own PBL certified teachers. So you have people that can train your new hires. You have people that are experts that are going to training and speaking around the country. And then I think every PD should come with some kind of monthly coaching. So we do virtual coaching throughout. Uh, that's just a side tip for your listeners. It's like, whoever's doing PD for you, like there needs to be some kind of during the year component so that your teachers feel supported. And a lot of times for us, it's just a quick need to know session uh, with, you know, your second grade team. They just needed a quick pick me up before they could launch. And as soon as they do, we give them some resources, they launch with confidence. Um, so th that's, I, I think that's a pretty good skeleton of our model. We've got a few things in the works in the background here, but um, that's our bread and butter. Yeah, I think that's so important with the follow-up because you're right. I mean, every year, every summer, we're about to hit it right now. You get this hiring yep. season of getting new folks into your building, into your district. And then those initiatives that you were so strong in start to dwindle because you've got new people. And I just love the fact that you've got this you know, follow-up of continuous checkups and trying to make sure that everybody's on the same page in regards to the project-based learning. Absolutely love that service. I want to know about the future of PBL because I know you've got some statistics that I heard uh, in regards to the future of this and, and how it's it seems to be growing like crazy. Yeah, you're, you're going to get me fired up now. So we've, we've kind of taken on this charge that we want 51% of schools using PBL by 2051. So we call it 51 by 51. And it's completely changed our mindset organizationally, the way we talk, the way we train, because we've always said, you know, if more schools are doing PBL, you know, we've got more teachers that are engaged. We've got research around that too, that teachers are engaged when they're using PBL. So many teachers, 20 year veterans. How have I not been teaching like this before? You know, we've got more kids involved. They're more engaged. They're moving from passive to purposeful, but that's offense. 
And I think sometimes we miss the defense of things. Like how do we keep the really great schools and districts going, right? Like in a leadership change, like what succession planning look like? So this 51 by 51, you know, my son keeps telling me, Hey dad, you're going to be 73 when that comes about. (laughs) Man, I, I, it's going to be great, right? Like, who am I going to hand that off to? But I think we need to think about that more in education. Like the the principals that are listening is like, how are we going to hand this off? And when you start looking for it, there's some really great case studies out there. There's some great uh, ecosystems that are handing this off well. And we've probably all seen places where it has not gone well, right? I know we had a great PBL school out on the East Coast and there was a leadership change. And it was literally the next day PBL was gone. Like we called and said, hey, we're so excited for PBL coaching. And the new principal literally said, well, what is PBL? He's like, oh no. And and the teachers, like teachers just can't go up against that enough if the culture isn't set. We say it needs to be an, an irreversible culture. So it takes time for that. So that's kind of really set our trajectory of kind of offense, but also defense and really pouring into the partners that we have to make sure that they're super solid. That's awesome. You had talked real quick about your book, and I'd love for you to expand on that because obviously, you know, as we speak on this, folks are probably thinking, I I need a resource in my hand to potentially learn Mm -hmm. more about PBL. So will you just share a little bit about your book? Yeah, love to. Uh, So when we started, PBL, it was it was a lot of people making up, you know, uh, group contracts and expo forms and schedules, and a lot of that work's been done now. Like so, we we know some of the best practices. It still needs to be customized. We we'll, we still think the local school is knows their local kids the best, their local community. Uh, but so I wrote a book called PBL Simplified. It's you know, project based learning from idea to reality in six steps. So we've got six steps of project based learning. And some of your staff, like you have some innovators that you'll give them the book and they'll run with it, or they don't even need the book. You've got some that need to know that there's a system that they're going to plug into, that it's been research-based, that there are a lot of resources. And all those things are true now, right? Like they don't have to make their own group contract. That We have them that you can edit and make your own. So that's really where the book came out of. And we've been able to tie in some neat ideas. So as you go through the book, there's a book study. There's online resources. So every chapter, like what if I talk about a group contract, like I just did a couple of times, like you can actually go to the link and download that group contract right there in chapter eight. So as your staff's going through it, they're not wondering like, gosh, it'd be great if we had a PBL planning tool. It's it's right there. So it follows through the book. Uh, so it's really a pretty neat time to, to write a book, I think. And so it, the idea was PBL simplified, and this was almost the subtitle, PBL simplified, but not PBL watered down. Right. So, so it's still really rigorous. It's just, we have some structures in place that we know work. So that's what we're passing on through the book. No, I like that little, uh, subtext there. I think that's, <laughs> that's needed because <laughs> it is not watered down, but you also provide additional resources, not only within the book, but then also you have a podcast under the same name. So for yeah. folks who want to potentially listen on their ride to work or on the way back, uh, versus trying to sit down and read, you know, what is the podcast about? Yeah, if you want to add it to your podcast list of six, seven, eight podcasts that you probably have, we'd love to. Uh, some similar audiences. So I've got two episodes a month where I talk specifically to leaders about implementation. Um, some of it's about like surviving and thriving as a leader. But how do you bring about change in education? Because it's not easy. You don't just buy a new curriculum and then things are changed, right? And then there's a couple episodes where we actually talk to teachers that are doing project-based learning in their classrooms. 
and we have them walk through, we call it a PBL showcase, and they walk through their PBL unit so that leaders can see what good PBL looks like, just kind of like you asked me at the very beginning, uh, but also teachers. So that's when I encourage leaders to share with their teachers. They don't need to listen to all of my episodes, right? Because like, a lot of them are, are leader designated, but the PBL showcase, I really recommend like, hey, leaders, share this with your teachers, like get them excited about this because it's me just asking questions and then they get to hear from the third grade teacher, from the 10th grade biology teacher about what they're doing in their classroom. So that's where we try to share some project-based learning that's happening out the, across the country. Well, another exciting thing that you've got going on is the PBL Movement Online Community. I know that's coming out maybe in a couple months, I think. And yeah. for additional support in PBL, you know, what would you say about this community for our listeners? Uh, so it's exciting. Uh, so again, the 51 by 51, by no means do I think I'm going to do that, right? Like as leaders, we don't, it's not individually getting anything done like that. So it's a team. This is a movement. Uh, so the online community is really meant to bring people together that are exploring, that are creating project-based learning in their own ecosystems. So there's actually going to be a level for kind of jumpstart. Those that are just beginning all the way up to PBL certified folks, which has been a need that we've heard for a long time, seven or eight years. The folks that are operating a really high level, like they go to a conference and they're, they're teaching things, right? They're presenting, but where do they get to innovate? Where do they get to share with others? And that's our hope with the PBL movement community, online community, is that we can join people from across the country, uh, across different organizations to really bring project-based learning to some new innovative levels. All right, I wanna focus on main question that I ask all my guests, which is for any aspiring or current leaders, if they're looking to do something tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you recommend them to do? I'm going to give them a big assignment, but yes, please. Uh, okay. So for me, it's your best work is 10 years out. So you need to create systems. You need to create processes and boundaries that allow you to be healthy, learning and successful 10 years from now. And when I coach leaders and principals that are in change process, they're high flyers. They want great results. So they're working the weekends. They're working at night. Once their kids go to bed, they're doing all those things, but is that sustainable a decade from now? And they tell their spouses, well, it's just because it's my first or second year. It's like, except that you're building those habits right now. So that's probably going to be what you're going to be doing three or four years from now. So look 10 years out, realize that, you know, when I'm 54, I'm going to be doing my best work. So I've got to get there, right? We can't have you burn out at year four or year five. Your best work is 10 years out. And if you can do some of that planning right now, I, I think it serves you well. Ryan, I want to make sure that everybody is jumping in the show notes and following you in some way possible. You know, how can they connect with you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, it's at Ryan Stoyer. So at Ryan Stoyer. Probably the easiest way, actually, Josh, is uh, whatispbl.com. So whatispbl.com, free resources for administrators, free resources for teachers. You can differentiate and you can take that and run with it, or you can take it and connect more, whatever works for you. Wonderful. And you are a just incredible resource in PBL. I, I'm so fortunate to have connected with you and I, I love your journey, your story, and what you're doing with our schools. So for anyone that's listening, make sure you're jumping in the show notes, clicking on those links because there's not only you know the free resources, but there's a link for his book, his podcast, and then of course his website. So Ryan, thank you so much, like I said, for you know, being that wonderful resource for so many in a very important topic and really having this charge to change education as a whole. 
And let's do it. Joshua, you're doing it. I, I'm so glad that our paths have crossed. Um, I'm sure we'll find other ways to collaborate and really appreciate the work that you're doing with leaders. Thank you.